When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Ralph Dwayne Bashman, the AKA Hackmaster. Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back. Got a couple of great guests this hour, got some news this hour, all kinds of stuff. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive continues to grow. They think it's because of their upfront pricing, no haggle or hassle sales experience, and working with one person from start to finish. I think we all know it's because of the loyal podcast listeners. I've said it a million times before. I won't endorse a company that I don't believe in, and Walzer's no exception. I've bought several cars from them, as has my family. I know what you're thinking. Tommy got some special deal. Well, the truth is we paid the Walzer best price just like everyone else. Walzer will sell about 35,000 cars this year, and you can't do that if your prices aren't great. Do yourself a favor. When it's time to shop for a new or used car, go to walzer.com and give them a shot. You won't be sorry. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. I'll never get sick of this song as long as I live. Good guitar work. Is Eric Clapton still alive? Yeah. Yeah. God, he has survived so many near-death experiences. Unbelievable. He is 73. He's only 73? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like he's been around for 100 years. He left the Yardbirds. He left part of his stomach in St. Paul. So, he ladies did? and gentlemen. Really? Yeah. That's what he did. That's right. Yeah. He absolutely did. Um, so, basically, i just like to get back and answer all the questions that people have about... Um, Making coffee? <laughs> yeah, about coffee making talk. coffee. Coffee talk. I have never made coffee in a Keurig in yeah, my life. We should have we should have filmed Tom trying to work a Keurig. <laughs> I did get to see it because I was. And then I, I put the cream in the in the cup. The trick is what? the trick is put the creamer in first. So when the coffee goes in, as it's pouring, it's that's stirring, what I was asking and, her, and then stir. she and then she ridiculed me for asking. That. <laughs> you didn't even know to put a coffee cup underneath. I don't know what yeah, happened. The creamer was clotting. <laughs> it was clotting in yeah. the cup. I <laughs> help us. But no, I took a sip of the uh, the coffee, and Andy just descaled it. Yeah, it tastes like it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. got a, a little phosphoric acid. I'm wondering aftertaste. if maybe. 
um, the filter in there soaked some up, so we might you not be able to, to use it I until we... I think you just have to keep running it just through. Just pull a new filter Over out. Again. Pull the filter out. Throw it away. Uh, we Did don't you? have any more. I ordered some. Well, you, you don't get, need You filters. don't have to have the filter. That's true. Yeah. You don't have to have the filter? Not, no. not for it to work. All right. Whatever works for you, kids, is fine with me. Don't worry about my feelings. You know what I'm saying. Seriously. Right? We can drink coffee with impurities in it. That's fine. <laughs> Phosphoric acid won't it's hurt good you. good for you. Phosph- phosphoric acid won't hurt you. It might hurt your teeth. <laughs> it, it'll descale it'll, your teeth. It'll descale your it. mouth. Which it's, is... like, it's like the people that used to work in the pickling line at, in the in the steel mill. They, all the, if you worked there long enough, your teeth turned green from the hydrochloric acid. Ooh, see what this? is pickling what? Oh, uh, it's called pickling iron. You take you take the steel and they would clean the uh, grease off of it in hydrochloric acid baths mm. and clean this all up so it would be good for uh, uh, for making bumpers. Oh, fenders. Hmm. I like this it's idea. Pickling? Once again, because of this show, Minnesota gets some justice. Why? Let me just point it out. Because about an hour ago, we were talking about rape and sexual assault. Mm-hmm. From the Star Tribune website, Sexual Assault Task Force meets for the first time. Minnesota Attorney General Lori Swanson formed the group following a Star Tribune report that examined why so few people who commit sexual assault or rape are ever convicted. Good. They, yeah. they absolute, This is what we need. If you sexually assault someone or if you, certainly if you rape someone, uh, they need to meet... And again, they're going to have to have proof. That's the one thing I don't want them to have the, well, it's my opinion that she, he or well, she is guilty. I know, no. but remember, isn't New York something like a million rape kits behind or something? It's like I mean, a million, It's like yeah. in Chicago yeah, it and all large cities. So, it, so it's interesting. So a, a crime of violence against a woman, which a woman reports in a timely fashion yeah. and has DNA evidence to prove, support her case, is delayed. Yet someone who, has, who maybe have been injured 10, 10 20, 30 years ago, yeah. either from a, not necessarily rape, but some sort of a, a encounter with, a, with someone, they can just report that and, re, and, and destroy the person. See, I have a problem with that because being able to go back that far, that's why we have the statute of limitations. Because yeah. memories fail, memories mm-hmm. are cloudy. Thirty years ago, uh, twenty years ago, do you remember what you were doing? No. Thirty-five years ago. But on a c- certain yeah, I was date. doing the KQ morning show. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> as a teenager, do you remember? Do you remember anything remember? that you were doing? You know, on a sat- particular Saturday night while you were in no. high school, unless it was like something really. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You know, big yeah. that happened yeah. to you, like you graduated. You might remember that, but I mean. It you you have to, I mean, thirty five years is a long time to be holding on to an accusation. It and is, yeah. the other yeah. thing that sucks about this, and like I said, I'm not, I don't like the Democratic Party and I don't like the Republican Party. I, I think know. both of them need to be rebooted completely. But the, yeah. the issue is, women are not men and men less men for men. They're not being protected against nope. physical violence. Exactly. That's the problem. That's exactly. unacceptable. But they've also, they, they held on to this evidence or this story for a couple of weeks about Kavanaugh supposedly attacking this woman. Mm-hmm. They had they had this ev- they had this story for weeks. But and she then doesn't they know just, when it happened. She doesn't know where time. it happened. No. How is that no. possible? Because it's 35 years ago. Yeah, but. She doesn't she remember said, a certain. She doesn't remember the exact dates. She said it has been haunting her every day since then. That's what she said in the paper. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll look for the uh, look. I'm not. I'm not saying he did it or he didn't yeah, do it. I'm, I'm not I'm, saying she's lying. Exactly. I just, how do you not know where something that traumatic happened to you? And why would you hold on to it for 35 years? I mean, this and guy has reached just, prominence yeah, in other areas in his life. You could have ruined his life way earlier than today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I, I just, I really wish the the extremists were not allowed to vote anymore. <clears throat> if you're too far left or too far right, you should not be allowed to vote anymore. You get, you've oh. lost your voting rights by being too nuts. Hillary Clinton is calling for the... Uh, uh, electoral college to be banned. To She's be never going to get over it, is she? Uh, oh my no, God, She's Hillary. never going to get over it. She losing. doesn't want the electoral college anymore. Uh, Hillary, you got your ass kicked because you're a horrible candidate. Uh, she won the popular vote. Uh, who cares? They're holding on to that for the rest of time. And the reason electoral college is so that you don't have these aberrations of population mm-hmm. density. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah. The population density is a huge problem in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. San Francisco, Houston. They they have huge 
populations that only think one way. They all uh-huh. think the same. And you can throw Minnesota. It's not a huge population, but it is, you know, 5 million people, sure. 6 million people. Significant amount. Uh, you, you, we have to have a balance. That means basically outside of New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, no one would have an opinion. Well, they don't think that we even have a right to exist no, outside they don't. of the <laughs> well, that's coastal very true. cities. That's kind of true. Yeah. I think we're all just a bunch of, you know, crazy yeah, people. No, 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 what we are is we're, we're the money that helps them get along. Yeah. I like that And take. we're the breadbasket that feeds them. That's a good take, as a matter of fact. That's a really, really good take. But, yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not criticizing this woman. I don't know if Kavanaugh did what she said he did or not. I'm not saying that at all. I just, I can tell you, the last time I threatened to kill someone, I was standing at the top of the stairs with Royal Matson, and the guy came up the stairs and threatened Roy. So I said, you leave now, or I'm going to tear off both your arms and both your legs and throw you back down the stairs. And I can remember Did exactly what I said. Did you just get done watching The Godfather? <laughs> no, that was long before The Godfather, actually. But I can remember where I was, where I was standing, where Royal was standing, and what the guy was doing. I remember all of that. And that happened probably 50 years ago. I remember exactly where I was when that happened. If anything that traumatic happened to me, like, I'm, look, I, again, I'm not denying that it's true. I don't know anything about Kavanaugh. I don't like the far right and I don't like the far left, so I don't like either one of you. So I don't have a dog in this fight. But I don't see how you can't remember when not one but two guys forced themselves on you and felt her up, I guess is what she said originally. But then the second guy, when he jumped into the pile, the bed collapsed. Now, that's a lot of stuff to forget where that happened. That's just my, but again, but again I, I have a really, really good memory, so maybe that I don't, I'm not qualified to make. And I'm not judging anybody or anything. I just, I guess I can't make the call because I have a terrific memory. I just do. And that's an insinuation that there was alcohol was involved. Well, she said they were both really drunk. Well, yeah. but she was completely sober. That's I what she it. said, oh. yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, I hope she was. I do, too. I just, I really wish, first of all... Well, wait, so it, the guy was drunk, but she was sober? That's what they well, say. Well, it was a yeah. party with alcohol, and when you get a bunch of youth in the 80s with alcohol around, I, I, I fear that not everybody, there are a few that weren't drinking. Well, but according to the law, if she was sober and he was drunk, she's the rapist. What? Yeah. If, you oh, have yeah, sex with he, a, if you're true, sober yeah. and you have sex with a drunk person, but you rape them. I don't think there was sex, right? Wasn't it just... Well, he, no, felt, it was, he it, felt her up. It was an assault. Yeah. Well, then... Yeah, it was an assault, yeah. Still, sexual things like that, if you're the sober party, then you are considered to be at fault. Well, that's a doofy law. Look, this Kavanaugh guy, is, isn't he the one who wants to rescind gay marriage and all that stuff? Oh, does he? I don't well, know. That's, I don't what really they, know. that's what they claim. That's I, what I, they claim. Does really he don't. actually do it, though? Yeah, I kind of doubt I it. I don't really need somebody that's that close-minded in the, on the Supreme Court, uh, you know? But I also don't need Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court, either. Nobody that short should ever be. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just stared at Cassie when I said that. I'll fit right in. <laughs> you could fit right in. No, look, I, and again, we're not trying to judge anybody here. I just, let me ask you a question, because this has to do with memory, apparently, I've been told. But I can walk into a room, a crowded room, and pretty much tell you what everyone's talking about in their own little groups. I just hear all that stuff. I hear, that's why I don't like being in, in big crowds. In between Oh, did you hear that? She <laughs> just got a shot over the bow on the... Yeah. You're not forgiven yet. You stabbed me. Or you, threatened to, you threatened stab to stab you. me. Well, oh. You emotionally stabbed him. In a, yeah, you emotionally we'll stabbed me. In, in a cute way. In a cute, in a cute fun, fun-loving in way. A fun... In a fun-loving way. In a fun-loving way. supportive way. Did you look up Brett Kavanaugh's uh, ideas and ideals? People, well, not a huge surprise, but people are making something out of what is most likely nothing. What is that? They're angry that he didn't say that he's in support of gay marriage. Well, th- not that he's against it, but that he hasn't well, explicitly stated that he is for it. And that means he's against it because. No, it doesn't that's how mean he's against it, but that's how they think. You're absolutely yes, right. They think, is. unless you agree with me 100%, I hate you and I want you to go away. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, blow it up mm-hmm. if you don't agree with me. Catherine and I have been together for 37 years. We don't agree on everything. And I'm always right. I know that. But <laughs> <laughs> that was me cackling. 
And Catherine has a look on her face like, I'm getting that knife. I'm getting getting that knife. I'm getting the knife back. Here it comes. Dems GOP argue on witnesses now. Now they're arguing about who should witness the Kavanaugh showdown. Oh, my God. So you can't have your witnesses. We want our witnesses. Oh, God, could you people grow up? Oh, even worse. So the in context, uh, Harris, do you know who Harris is? She was questioning him. Oh, yeah. Or yep, yep. Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris, yep. She said she asked if he thinks that gay marriage was, like, you know, good or constitutional or whatever. Acceptable or whatever, however they put it, yeah. And he declined to answer, but so did every other of the eight justices. <laughs> so they've all declined to answer that question? Yeah, but because of course the they guy. did. You can't well, answer that kind of question or no, else it shows yeah, sometimes bias. Sometimes you got to put some thought into things, too. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you're a judge. You should not show bias. You're right, Andy. Yeah, Kavanaugh said, following the precedent set by those eight justices, they've all declined when asked to answer that question. Yeah, and that makes him against gay marriage. Because that, that's, oh. that's you know, her, absolutely right. He should not answer that because that's what they're paid to do. That's what their responsibility is to find, right. find constitutionality right. in, 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 that sort of, in those yeah. sort of cases. But he should, they, the question could have been asked, would well, you think it's morally right? Then I think it would be appropriate for him to answer I don't know if you should give an opinion before you're even on the court, though. Yeah, well, I don't know. I just I wish they would stretch it. Stop stretch. Now, the apparently, the question was: Do you believe Obigfell, Obedgefell, whatever? I don't know who that is. Whatever the case is, I think it was like the Plessy versus Ferguson of gay marriage. Uh, yes, I it thought was. that was uh, Roe v. Wade. That's, That's abortion. abortion. Oh, that's abortion. That's right. Okay. Um, but, that's yeah, right. do you believe Obergefell was correctly decided? That was the question. Okay. So the question was, do you think that the Supreme Court's ruling that gay marriage is protected was correct? And he declined to answer. And, of course, people are picking that apart well, because yeah, that's all they not, ever do if, is if, think. If, if it's, oh, it's Obergefell. Okay. Obergefell. If you're not on the committee, well, the justice... Department that, or whatever is trying to figure mm-hmm. that out. You, you can't second guess what somebody else came up with, right? Either. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. That's why we have the Supreme Court. Right. They're the final right. arbitrator right. of those sort of things. Right. What they decide, decide, and we accept it. Move on. Just because you believe you. that somebody who doesn't agree with you is 100 percent wrong, shut up. This is America. Everybody gets a voice. You're not going to be... Bullying people into agreeing with you is not a great idea. Like Catherine pulling a knife off. It was not fair. I didn't pull a knife. And I'd like to point... Yes, you did pull a knife. Holding a knife. You're a saint for living with this woman. You're I really absolute are. saint. An absolute oh, saint you poor under physical dear. threat. It's true. It's just... An apology... <laughs> under, <laughs> under physical duress. threat. Under physical threat, duress, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Right. Um... I just we can we get to a point where the politicians and the news media stop lying to us? No. Can we get to that point? Because that's not at all what I had heard. I heard that he he came out against gay marriage, which he never did. Well, once people stop believing their lies, they'll stop <sighs> lying. But that's never going to happen. Uh, it is never going to happen. Now, I don't know how we got to this place, but we need to move on from it. I mean, we cannot continue down this path. Well, we just can't. Right. No, you're right. You're I mean, look what's right. happening, San Francisco. Yeah. Can well, we come we gotta, back to we gotta, this? We've got to take a break. We'll be right back. Catherine's going to talk San Francisco in two minutes. Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom here to tell you how easy it was for me to hit my goal of 92.5-pound weight loss at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I started in March, and in just over five months, I learned about clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods. I'm now on the reset phase, and then on to the Nutramost Forever Maintenance Program, which I'll be talking about more in the weeks to come. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did. Attend the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner. It's on Monday, September 17th, 6.30 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. I'll see you there. Those extra pounds melt away really fast with this easy program. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutramost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. I guarantee you that. Register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner. It is on September 17th. Call 763-333-7337. That is 763-333-7337. 
A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. You know, I just thought of something. Uh, you were talking about going back a long, long time. I can picture myself sitting in a school lunch chair in the lunchroom of St. Joseph's School in North Minneapolis. I was four years old. Mm-hmm. I had just started first grade because I started kindergarten when I was three, about to turn four. Your mother begged them to take you. Yes, yeah, please get them out of the house. Please. Well, it was right across the street. That didn't hurt. But I remember sitting in a chair... And um, so that was many, many, many years ago. Okay. Over 60 years ago. Right. So I'm sitting in a chair and this nun thought that I did something, which I didn't do. And she said, you're going to sit in that chair until you admit what you did. I said, I didn't do it. She said, well, you're going to sit there until you admit you did. And so finally I just went, yeah, I did it. Just to get out. I didn't do what she said I did, but she set the rules as... But you well, don't remember what it was. Well, I remember what it was. No, it was, no, I do remember what it was. It was somebody knocked a bunch of, a bunch of glasses wear on the, the, you know, cups and glasses on the floor and broke them. And she thought I did it. Okay. But I can remember that over 60 years ago. I can still in my head see where I'm sitting. I can literally see myself sitting there. So how do you not remember something that happened 35 years ago? I know, but the problem is, is it like, you know, in your family, if you ask your sister the particular day that some, this happened, yeah. Oh, yeah, they and all you ask your ideas. other brother, they all have a completely <clears throat> different do. recollection of what happened. And I'm sure that they believe that their recollection well, that's is a the right thing. one. That is a trauma thing. Though. It is. <clears throat> yeah. It is. And that's that's the problem with, you know, you you. You you might think that your and yours very well might be the right version of it, but well, then nobody else. I was the only one there in the family because I was at school. Well, I'm just talking about you know <clears> just <throat> memories in general. Well, then she shouldn't have waited 30 years. I, I don't understand why people do that anyway. Why? First of because all, because then it's harder it, to prove that well, they're I mean, lying. Yeah, if she's been carrying that around for 35 years. It's just yeah, it's not that's good. Not it's not good. good. No. Yeah, I I will tell you. We just need to start. Here's what we need to do. Stop hating each other so much and stop imposing ourselves on other people. Yes. But the problem there is we had this discussion just yesterday. A bunch of friends of mine and I had this discussion. When you are a public figure and you take publicity pictures with people, at least a couple of them think it's funny to reach over just as they're snapping a picture and grab your crotch. It's not sexual. They just think it's funny. Can't you like rig up some sort of little electric device? I just wear a <laughs> cup. I can just wear a there. cup. Right. They get zapped. <laughs> but but I'm just I'm telling you that I know that it's not sexual. But some people could say, well, that that you sexually assaulted me because they did. They grabbed yeah, my crotch. They're not supposed to be doing that. But I know it wasn't sexual. Well, it's assault. still not funny. I know. I understand. I just uh, people are so weird. I know I it know. is a weird deal. I don't even like grabbing my own crotch. So what does that tell you? <laughs> Maybe what? that should be the new universal handshake. Just everybody just go up and grab That's each right. other's crotch. And, uh, <laughs> how's it going? Crocodile like Dundee unit check. Yeah. The unit check. Yeah, the unit check. I just saw it was on television this no, past weekend. Yeah. I haven't seen Crocodile that movie Dundee. in ages. That is a big knife that he's got. I, I know. That yeah. thing was huge. He's a tiny little guy. But again, I mean, I have a really good memory, and as I said, if I walk in a room, I can tell you what everybody's talking about, and it's not that I'm trying to listen. I just hear it. Which is mm-hmm. really weird. Okay, but the, here's the biggest problem, Mandy. You can answer this. Maybe in Doc, maybe you can answer it. 
Why is it? Because it's National Cheeseburger Day today. Did you know that? Mm, I did I not. Two cheeseburgers. See? Today? Mm-hmm. It's the prednisone oh. kicking in. Yeah. Eat oh. more. I, I've had this, like, insatiable, like, fierce hunger where I could, like... Oh, that's not good. St- I could stab somebody for food. <laughs> for, yeah, for a cheeseburger. <laughs> for a cheeseburger. Okay, so explain this to me. Because my favorite cheeseburger is cheddar cheese on a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, the number not one Colby's in America... Swiss and cheddar? No, blend it all blend together. It all together. Um, the number one cheese on a cheeseburger that people like, 66% of Americans like American cheese. Yeah, because it on, melts nicely. It is does, that what it, it is? Yeah, yeah, it melts beautifully here, on a burger. It here's really the does. problem I have, and you know, maybe one of you can answer why this happened. I, American cheese literally has zero flavor to me. It doesn't taste like anything. It's not very tasty. That's because it's not cheese. It's a cheese product. It's a cheese it's product. It's Colby yeah. Swiss and cheddar blended all together. No, that's that's Velveeta. Velveeta, oh, that's what that isn't is. That yeah, that's basically right. American well, that, cheese. And Velveeta's on the package. It's a cheese product. Uh. I yeah, it's not really cheese. I know Chuck Knapp, legendary morning guy in uh, in Minneapolis, Chicago, Boston. He worked in many many markets. I haven't seen Chuck in a long time, but <clears throat> I went to his house one time. Pulls out two slices of bread, white bread, which is fine. I don't mind white bread. He puts about an inch of mayonnaise on it, and I'm talking an inch, the full, full boat. And then he puts about a half a pound of Velveeta cheese in the sandwich. Mm. I thought Velveeta mayo. Ugh. Oh, we used to have neighbors that made oh. a, that white bread, like you know what is that stuff with the little polka dots on it? Wonder, Wonder bread. bread. Wonder, Wonder bread. bread. Yeah, Wonder bread. Wonder, Wonder why bread you're it? with a big slab of uh, Velveeta. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then mayo. A huh. big, big, that's what big, I just said. big, that's big, what I just said. Oh, I wasn't listening. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh. You, know, you, know. you see what I'm saying? This is my life, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I said it in the last segment. You're a saint, Tom. You're an absolute saint. Yeah, I am a saint for living with it. There's so no that, doubt about oh, it. Oh, see, I thought that was unique to that family. Oh, no, so no. So that's Chuck something Knapp everybody that. ate. Oh, okay. Or people just, ate. Well, Others ate. Even worse, I'm trying to think one time. I can't remember the guy's name because I only hung out with him one time when I was like seven years old but he had he was a southern kid who moved to North Minneapolis because he was just him it was he and his mom um and he always wore a rebel civil war hat oh. everywhere he went he was wearing this rebel cap or whatever but his mom said would you like a sandwich and I said sure and she put it was tuna but it was that really greasy tuna that used oh, to come out of the oil. oil. That yeah. oil tuna. Oil-packed tuna. With tons of onion. And then one other thing. It was the most vile-tasting thing I've ever uh. had in my entire life. Onion and... There was one other thing in there. So, oh, God, it was horrible. So an onion sandwich is off here. We're not, we're <laughs> yeah, I'm not eating no, onion. No, nah, I'm not, not going to be eating onion sandwich. What else they put in there? I can't even think of what else. Onion. It was really bad. It was. I'm just telling you, it was really, really bad. So, yeah, you know. I don't like a lot of onion and tuna. I am being asked by people. I'm looking at all the websites. I still do not have an answer for you on um, Bailey being becoming the Vikings kicker. From what I understand, he's just got to take a physical, and if he passes the physical, it, it's a lock, and he will pass the physical. So um, I don't know. Well, I'll keep my eye out. I still don't have it, but it might not be until later on today, maybe even tomorrow. But that stuff. Pops up on Twitter faster than anything else. I suppose it does. It really does. You might want to check that out, see if Bailey has become a Minnesota. Although, uh, Michelle Tafoya looked his name up on the NFL roster list today, and she said he's listed as a member of the Minnesota Vikings. He is on fantasy football. Oh, he is already on fantasy football, too? Um, This story was five hours ago. Dan Bailey will either break the Vikings kicker curse or be its next victim. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's... Yeah, he's locked. Yeah, he's locked. They just got to make sure that he's physically fit because i i don't know if he had because don't the players have to have a physical every year before the season starts yeah see he was in contract disputes before the season started so he maybe have just not had his you know pre-season physical right so i'm sure he's fine and everything's a good they just have to make sure everything's you know all the i's are dotted and the t's are crossed before they make it official i'm glad you said that because i have heard some people say 
where the T's are dotted and the <laughs> I have heard people say, well, we got to sure dot I've all the T's. I have With my prednisone brain, I literally have to slow down and think before things come out of my mouth. Because it, my, if I were to speak the way my brain is moving, I would be talking like an auctioneer. And <laughs> you yeah, wouldn't understand. Yeah, I suppose it's that's true. horrible. Yeah. How long do you have to be on that stuff? Uh, I I just finished uh, forty milligrams, and now so the next three days I just have to take yeah, one pill for three days, down, and then yeah. I'm done. Hopefully, hopefully my symptoms won't come back, and then I have to go back on it again because that's happened before. It'll be fine. Don't worry about a thing. I just don't want the moon face. That's not a good. Moon look. That's if you're on it a long face. time. Yeah, the dose pack doesn't do yeah. that. No. The Jerry yeah. Lewis face. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was yeah, when I was diagnosed did. with Crohn's five years ago. They immediately put me on prednisone. I was on forty milligrams when I started, and I was on that from March until July. Oh, that's forever. Yeah, that was because I tapered off, and as soon as I got down to a half a pill, my symptoms came back fierce, mm. and they I ended up in the hospital, and I was put on a prednisone drip. Oh God! And then I had to go back on it's it's a miracle drug but it's like a double-edged sword the side yeah. effects suck but they heal you fast yeah so no here's a commentary exactly what we've been talking about on the show today it's a commentary in the oh i hate this so much when they have the pop-ups you can't get rid of <sighs> i already subscribed to the star tribune leave me alone i don't want to log in do i have to lo- oh they want me to log in that's what it is Sons of bitches. <laughs> what? I'm almost signed in. It'll take me a second. Uh, there's an argument today. There's a com- well, I shouldn't say an argument. There's a commentary um, that uh, juries, court system, forge ahead on he said, she said cases. Why are you even delivering that opinion at this point? That makes no sense to me. Right? Does it make any sense to you? Yeah, well, I don't honestly how... Well, they can do the cases, but what do you do for physical evidence? How do you yeah, I mean, discover? I mean, it is a, that is a quagmire. Yeah, I, I, I tell you. Well, here you go. Sex crimes prosecutors regularly forge forward on he said, she said cases. Uh, here, here are thoughts from people with experience dealing with allegations such as that against a Brett Kavanaugh. So you're trying to make the case that if you do drag this through the courts, that you do that all the time. I have a really hard time believing that. But maybe it's true. I don't know. And, and again, I'm not taking Kavanaugh's side. I'm not taking the woman's side. I just don't understand how you don't remember where it happened, when it happened. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. But but again, I have a really good memory, so maybe that's part of the argument there. I do remember lots of things. So I, I really wish, honestly, that they would put their foot down on these political ads. I know they're annoying as hell. They lie well, like there's no tomorrow. I don't understand in those how they can get away with that. I, I don't know either. it's slander. Yeah. I don't either. There's one running right now, uh, which is pretty hard to believe. Dean Phillips, where they say he failed to pay his taxes several times. One time, he had to pay a seventy-nine dollar fine. Seventy-nine mm. bucks, and they and they said it's seventy million dollars. He didn't pay his taxes on time. Obviously, it was an oversight. He had to pay $79. Why can you use that against him, first because of all? Because you can take any crumb and turn oh, it into God, a major thing. And, and they, people will the, believe you. The Dems do it. The Republicans do it. They both do it. And it drives me crazy. I know. I just don't get it. I don't understand. I literally stop watching television, live television, during any political well, campaigns. I just can't horrible? do it. The only broadcast television show that won an Emmy last night was Saturday Night Live. The rest were all Amazon, Hulu, uh, Netflix. Really? Yeah. Not the one? only one on broadcast television was Saturday Night Live. And, and that may not have happened if it hadn't have been on NBC. No, I agree. But because that was yeah. a broadcast network last night. So they threw a bone to NBC, which they were broadcast on last night, just to say, oh, yeah, broadcast. People don't watch broadcast television. I can't even remember. Other than people over the age of 55. The last time I watched SNL, I I haven't watched it in years. I haven't either. Is it any good? Are there any good people on it anymore? Trump, 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 Trump. It's so boring. And it's the same thing with late night TV. 
yeah. late night, all those late yeah. night TV shows are exactly oh. the same. Yeah. Cookie cutter. You know, they may be saying some of the same jokes or the same, yeah. close to the same jokes just on. It's just that same thing. So it, yeah. it's, it's, it's monotonous. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's very monotonous. It's one thing for, for Saturday Night Live to uh, parody Gerald Ford or President. Mm-hmm. But it, it not they didn't do it consistently over and it's just monotonous it is so that and that's my that. argument well, I mean, yeah, make your jo- yeah I, you, jo- you should make jokes about trump there's a lot of stuff to laugh at. absolutely yeah. Yeah. But absolutely they, but they do it so much that it becomes boring yeah it's 100 percent true i just i don't want to hear how great your guy is constantly i don't want to hear how horrible the guy you didn't vote for is shut up Give your opinion and move on. Just don't beat the drum to death, for God's sake. Oh. Although drums are already dead, so never mind. <laughs> horse. Beat well, the horse really, to really death. really, really bad Wait, uh, that's not comparison. it. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Catherine, what are you doing down there? You can't there? beat drums because they're, they're made with animal skin. Shh, so, yeah, I mean, look at, the, look at the headlines. Sex crime prosecutors regularly forge forward on he said, she said cases. Sexual assault task force meets for the first time. Dems GOP argue on witnesses for Kavanaugh uh, sex crime case. Sex uh, crime? Well, oh, no, it says showdown. That, okay. that actually says showdown. Well, that would be a sex Forcing yourself on someone physically and grabbing their breasts and their butt would be a sex crime. Okay. You can't do that. No, you can't. <laughs> Like You're I said, right. I don't even want to touch my own crotch, but I have to when I pee, so it's not fair. <laughs> Never mind. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. John, I just got another complaint about our delivery service. Oh, not again. Yep, we have to do something about our courier service. You know, they're a reflection of us. What happened now? Well, you know that one driver that has the dog that rides with him? Uh Uh-huh. Well, when he got out of his truck to deliver our package, his dog got out and delivered, well, uh, his own package, if you know what I mean. That's it. I want you to call... Priority Courier Experts, because you know they've got more than 500 drivers. And tell them we need... A professional, reliable courier service. And make sure they have internet order entry and real-time tracking you know i had priority courier experts account rep in here about a month ago and who knows how many accounts we could have serviced better if we had just signed up and started using the twin cities largest most reliable on-call courier service what's that number because the next package is going with priority courier experts already dialing 651-748-4477 priority courier experts can we help you can you ever priority courier experts every time you call us we deliver Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show. Ralph's here, Catherine's here, Andy's here, Cassie's here, and Brian Vandemark with us. How are you doing, Brian? Fine, thanks. Glad to hear it. Uh, Road to Disaster, A New History of America's Descent into Vietnam. Many books have been written on the tragic decisions regarding Vietnam made by the young stars of the Kennedy and Johnson administrations. Yet despite millions of words of analysis and reflection, no historian has been able to explain why such decent, brilliant, and previously successful men stumbled so badly. Yet what? Okay, Brian, I'm going to sit back and listen because I was a teenager when all that was going on. Well, I was actually, I think when the whole thing started, I was 11 or 12. But um, yeah, I, I, I never did understand. The argument that I always heard, Mr. Vandemark, was... That if we don't stop the communists in Vietnam, they're going to get into Australia, and then they're going to rule the world. That's what I always heard was the reason they did it. Is there any truth to that at all? Well, the belief in the domino theory was one that was widely held uh, among decision makers of that generation. And I think that one of the fundamental problems when it came to decision making on the war was they never reexamined assumptions that might have uh, had merit initially, but over time um, lost relevance. And uh, that was one of many cognitive errors uh, these decision makers made that contributed to very unwise and tragic decisions affecting the lives of many, many people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Affected, well, it affected my family because my oldest brother, who's nine years older than me, uh, was in the Marine Corps in Vietnam, and he got extended, so he was in Vietnam for two years rather than one. 
Um, it affected our family because at times my mother couldn't find him. You know, she, he would always check in or whatever, and then there would be times, I guess, when he was out, I guess, being the long-range reconnaissance patrol or something. And I remember my mother being extremely frightened and distraught that she couldn't find her oldest son. Uh, yeah, in fact, it, didn't it affect just about every family in America in some way, I would imagine? Well, it affected millions because the draft was in effect then. Right. And many, many uh, young Americans were inducted into the military, and a large number of those were sent to Vietnam during the uh, mid to late 60s and very early 1970s. God, it's amazing. Look at it. Brian, you're reminding me of my past. I'm looking at names like Robert McNamara. I haven't heard that name in a long time. No doubt about it. How did you set about researching this book? Well, I've been um, studying the Vietnam War for nearly 30 years. Oh, okay. I've taught the subject at the uh, Naval Academy in Annapolis for more than 25. And uh, very early on, uh, during my tenure at the Naval Academy, I had an opportunity to work with Robert McNamara and co-author his Vietnam memoir. Oh. And during that process, I was able to interview him extensively. And uh, the tapes of those interviews I've kept in my possession ever since. And in the back of my mind, I've ruminated over a fundamental question which is how could someone that smart, that decent, that patriotic uh, commit such grievous errors of judgment? Um, because I knew him as a human being who uh, wrestled with the consequences of the war very personally. Right. Uh, he was a private man, and he, that side of him he did not display to the public. I think that was sort of the generational ethos for people of that particular uh, era. But uh, I've returned to the subject now and uh, written this book, which has essentially enabled me to... Uh, tackle that fundamental riddle which is how can good people make such bad decisions I, th I think that's a wonderful subject to tell you the truth because it's kind of happening i mean obviously nothing compares in the, in the public to the things judgments on on places like vietnam things like the vietnam war but it seems to me that people are really stretching what the truth is, and their judgment is stretching along with it. Does that happen? Is there, a, is there anything cyclical about this? Because it seems like a lot of Americans are making really bad decisions right now, maybe the worst since Vietnam to me. It just, how, how does it happen? Did you find out the, the answer, how to such brilliant men and well-intentioned men, how did they make such bad decisions, errors in judgment? I think a lot of the time has to do with... Uh cognitive uh, shortcomings and cognitive errors, oh. where decision makers, they will uh, embrace assumptions that they will then not question. Uh, they will oftentimes become deeply enmeshed uh, psychologically in the commitment to policies that they have themselves fashioned, mm -hmm. what social scientists call the IKEA effect. In other words, if you're responsible for building something, uh, you have a sense of custody and possession over it, which makes it very difficult for you to step out of it in a detached way and look at it. Uh, clinically. Um, and those kinds of cognitive challenges that afflicted them afflict us. I think all of us share those same uh, vulnerabilities and dangers. It's mm -hmm. just the consequences for decisions made by people carrying that kind of responsibility are immense. Is, is that what's happening now, Brian? Because we're in a situation in America right now. If you don't agree with everything I think, I hate you. I mean, is that a cognitive problem? It can't possibly be true, but it seems to be on its face that whether it's the right or the left or whatever it is, if you don't agree with me and my thoughts and my politics, I not only disagree with you, but I hate you. What is that all about? Well, I regret to say that in some respects that is a persistent legacy of the controversy surrounding the Vietnam War. Yeah, yeah, right. Which polarized and divided American society very deeply. And uh, people personalized the issue. They uh, took very strong stands against one another on that, be they uh, soldiers who fought in the war or protesters who thought it was unwise in the extreme. And that polarization, I think, has carried over in succeeding decades. And I wouldn't blame it all on the Vietnam legacy, but that is certainly one part of the reason why people have great difficulty acknowledging the uh, good intentions of someone who disagrees with them. Uh, it's very important to remember that. I teach the Naval Academy, mm -hmm. and I solicit a variety of opinions from my students, and I always tell them there are two sides to every coin, and just because you don't agree with someone doesn't make the person who you disagree with bad or stupid. They just see things differently. 
I, well, I really appreciate that opinion because that is the situation to me. I'm in a situation right now. There are four other people in this room with me, and, and you're on the phone. So there are five other people, and we're talking, having a great conversation about your, your wonderful book. Uh, and by the way, I should mention that Brian was a visiting fellow at Oxford University. So he's no dummy. I will just point <laughs> that out. He teaches at the Naval Academy. I'm giving you a compliment here, Brian. Well, thank you. <laughs> I love that response, actually. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't sit here, Brian, you and I don't know one another. I do know the other four people in this room. But I wouldn't go around and ask you all a question. And if you disagreed with me, go, well, I don't, I don't care what you think. Well, I should care what you think because you think it for a reason. If there are reasons to think two ways, why don't we look at both of those reasons? Is that not... Well, I, think, uh, I think people have become habituated to viewing uh, political discourse as uh, combat. Yeah, yep. And the degree, the degree to which you emotionalize differences makes the, um, the willingness of individuals to uh, accept good intentions uh, and reasoning of someone with whom they disagree much more difficult. And I think the country would be in a far better place if uh, the leadership uh, set an example uh, in that respect, because I do think that it tends to filter its way down. And when uh, political leaders treat their political opposition with uh, grace, courtesy, thoughtfulness, and respect, uh, people will follow their example. And when they don't, they will also follow that example. You know, Brian, this is Ralph Basham. Uh, the... I think, boy, your comment is so insightful with regards to the Vietnam War and how the legacy has, uh, to, to some extent, uh, brought about this uh, hatred dialogue or this, this extreme kind of uh, feeling when it comes to political dialogue. And, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's much deeper than that. I think it because violence is what uh, punctuated that Vietnam experience. In America, there was so much violence, whether it was the Democratic Convention, whether it was yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Kent State. I mean, there was violence on both sides. And so that sort of ingrained that kind of appearance. I don't agree with this, but there are, so I'm going to be violent about it. And it you're violent verbally or violent physically. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think that's incredibly insightful. And that, and it kind of, that along with the conspiracy piece, it all started right about then. Well, and the people who lived through Vietnam, uh, in their teens and 20s are now uh, mature adults in their 60s and 70s, and they have carried the emotions uh, and the polarization created by that war with them throughout their life. And it's very difficult to break that habit. Uh, in some ways, one of the greatest tragedies of the war is not only the unwise decisions that those who were patriotic and well-intentioned made, but the deeply divisive effect that it had on American society that I don't think has ever really healed since then. And personally, yeah. I think it's only when the generation who experienced that passes from the scene that people are going to be able to look at the subject in a dispassionate way and hopefully close some of those wounds. Because it's asking too much of human beings who were uh, severely affected by that war to put it behind them. It's just something that people cannot do, and I understand that. You know, Brian, I tell you, in my own experience, as I said, it was uh, when we went into Vietnam, I think I was 11 years old. Uh, and I remember talking to... to a family friend named Joe, who did not come back alive. I was talking to a kid named Steve Nelson, one of our neighbors. Handsome young guy, nicest guy in the world, very pleasant. And I said, Steve, where are you going? And he said, uh, I'm going to Vietnam. I said, what is that all about? And he said, yeah, I'm going to go serve my country, and I'm going to fight for our country in Vietnam. Well, Steve never came back. And there were three more of them. And... Basically, the only evidence of them would be their graves or when I saw the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C., that had a great impact on me because I remembered, you know, you look at their name and you can see their faces. Uh, you remember yes. their voices. It, that's a very tough deal for an 11-year-old kid who now is all these decades later looking at the Vietnam Memorial. And it's just the sadness that that whole thing, the Vietnam War, was such a sad event. And did anything ever come of it? Well, my hope is that people learn from mistakes far more often and deeper than they do from success. And one of the most important things I try to convey to my students at the Naval Academy is that good people can make bad decisions. And the reason I drive that point home to them is because they are good people, too. 
Yeah, no, and they're just as capable of making bad decisions. And I think it has a, it's a powerfully important thing to reflect on that all of us have cognitive limitations and uh, pride, fear, insecurity, uh, wishful thinking. All of those dynamics are at work for people with even very high intelligence because there's not necessarily a functional correlation between intelligence and wisdom. You can be very smart and be very unwise. That is very the other true. Thing is those who served, those who served in the war, uh, they wrestle with the, the conflicted legacy of that, which is it was a war that we did not win and arguably lost. And mm -hmm. they try to find meaning in their sacrifice. And I think one of the most important things for them to remember is that the service that they performed on behalf of their country uh, was done in a war that they were sent to that they did not make the decisions to send young men to battle, but answer their nation's call to service. And that is an irreducible, honorable uh, contribution and accomplishment in their lives that they can certainly hold on to whatever the outcome of the war. Ladies and gentlemen, the, rook, uh, the book is called Road to Disaster, A New History of America's Descent into Vietnam. I love the way you put it, The Descent into Vietnam. Brian Vandemark, V-A-N, capital D-E, capital M-A-R-K. Brian, terrific, terrific book and great thoughts. I love your take on it. You can be the smartest guy in the world and make really bad decisions. I think that's, people yeah. all need to know that. That's a good thing. It's a good message Absolutely. for today. Thank you, and, sir. and tomorrow, indeed. And tomorrow, Thank absolutely. You, Thank you, sir. Brian Vandemark, ladies and gentlemen. Great points. Really, really good points. Uh, you know, three of you in here don't remember it, but Ralph and I remember it. Yeah. What was your take? I remember taking? some of it. Do you? Yeah. When did it end? Seventy. Oh, yeah. So was you would have remembered a little. Something like that. Well, I remember, I remember my brothers worrying about being drafted. Mm -hmm. I remember my mm -hmm. brother joining the service, but he never went to Vietnam. Yeah. We didn't know anybody directly that went to Vietnam. I, yeah. I knew a bunch of people. Well, but again, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood, and those are the guys who ended up going to Vietnam. My cousin went, and I remember him coming back, and I was talking to him, um, and uh, he looked at me, and he said, I don't know, Ralph, you know, Vietnam, you know, they drop bombs there that you can put a house in, big giant holes. Yeah. And, yeah, Vietnam, that's uh, a place to stay away from. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. would imagine. That's what he said. Mm. Good advice. Always said. Here's what I don't understand, and I'm not damning anyone for doing it because if they're younger, it doesn't mean as much. But how I have no interest in vacationing in Vietnam. I mean, oh, it's a beautiful area. That's what I understand. Absolutely but, volcanic and they islands. Love you. They yeah. love Americans. They love American yeah. lifestyle. That they love everybody it. I know that's gone there said it's one of the yeah. best places you can. That's go. what I understand. But I still, there were five guys that lost their lives there, and I just, I don't know if I'd want to go through all that. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge emotional piece for you. It is, absolutely. That's a legitimate response. That's true. I do remember one of the guys, and I won't say which one it was, but he, his body was shipped back. One of them, or two of them, they never found him. But um, his body was shipped back, and his head wound was so bad, he was shot in the head, oh. right in the forehead, actually, right, right, basically almost between the eyes, but a little higher. And they had to put his cover on. He was a U.S. Marine. It's mm -hmm. not called a hat. It's called a cover. They had to put it on, and you could tell there were bandages underneath it, so, you know, whatever blood there was left, I'm sure they, you know, put in bombing fluid and whatever. But the damage was so severe that he had to keep his cover on lying in the in the coffin. Yeah. That was tough. I mean, that was tough. To, it's it was like, a horrible, man. horrible war. Yes. It was, no doubt. Well, all wars horrible. Yeah. It is. It's true. All right, behave and don't start any wars, damn it. <laughs> and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.